1: Kobe in the fourth quarter. This is the Dame podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at your Wednesday night after the Wolves lose the back end of a back-to-back in Sacramento by 13 points. Final score, Wolves 119, Kings 132. Wolves entered this game, winners in 13 of their last 18 games, and they were on a five-game winning streak. Coming into tonight... Had they been able to pull this one out, it would have been their first six-game winning streak since the 2003-2004 season. Didn't happen. Uh, I guess we'll wait for that. This episode tonight, though, I'm not going to focus as much specifically on the game as I do on these post-game podcasts. Typically, um, just with the trade deadline tomorrow, we're going to tap more into what the Wolves' sort of plan and mindset is going into a day that could change the roster. I thought Chris Finch had some interesting uh, responses to how he and Sachin Gupta are going to approach Thursday's deadline. And then, you know, I also got to talk to Cat and Ant, potential of this roster, I'm um, going into the deadline changes and all those sorts of things. So we'll focus on the deadline, but also separate from the deadline, today we also got some clarity on this ambiguous knee soreness of an- that Anthony Edwards has been Mentioning over the last month or or so, so we're going to start there. Before Wednesday's game, tonight's game, uh, Edwards showed up on the Wolves' injury report report as questionable to play with left patella tendinopathy. And if you Google that, uh, left patella tendinopathy is more commonly referred to as jumper's knee, fatigue in the knee. Uh, Finch described the injury before the game as tenderness of the knee, just general knee soreness. The injury report and these descriptions started to provide a little bit of rationale for why Edwards only scored five points against Denver on February 1st. They made Ant's very slow start in that Detroit game on February 6th make a little bit more sense, and it helped explain why Ant only scored five points in the first Sacramento game last night, February 8th. Edwards was ultimately a game-time decision for tonight's game on February 9th, um, Edwards did play, which continues his streak of never having missed a game in his career due to injury. Edwards did miss six games with COVID early th- earlier this year, but he has played in all of the other 121 games that the Wolves have had since they drafted him. And in tonight's game, Edwards was, you know, he he looked unbothered by the knee. He came out and he scored 20 points in the first half, finished the night with 26 points. There was no sort of minutes restriction or there was no sort of physical restriction that was apparent. Edwards played 38 minutes in the game, took 25 shots. After the game was our first chance, though, to to talk with him since this injury became public knowledge, public information. And Edwards used that time to kind of clear the air on what's been going on this path, this past month plus with the knee. Here's how. Andrew,
2: uh,
3: how much did you want to from that guy?
2: We
4: mostly after you scored five points last night? Um, let me go ahead and say this. Um, me scoring uh, five points has nothing to do with uh, how I've been playing. I've really, like, been hurt. So tonight, I just, this is my first night actually feeling good in about, like, a month and a half. So I was just trying to be as as a, as aggressive as I can, and it wasn't enough, you know?
1: And you've you mentioned to us a couple of times that your knee has been sore. Can you kind of describe what this has been?
4: I mean, it's like the it's been depressing, man. It's I was in a room sad last night, like just because I can't be there for my team and I don't like missing games. So, but uh, today was the first day that it actually felt good out there and everything felt good. And I felt like I was doing everything I needed. I was getting downhill. I just couldn't finish. But, you know.
1: It's OK. Have you con- considered resting over the time or is it like one of those things? that?
4: Yeah, for playing? sure. Um, after the game, the, after last night, um, I was going to take a few, a few, a little break. But Kat told me I can't. <laughs> 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 now nah, I'm playing. But yeah, for sure. But like I said, today, man, was the first day of me feeling
1: actually back to myself for sure. So a lot to unpack there. Uh, let's start with the last part about the decision not to rest. I think uh, this is difficult and probably inappropriate to speculate on when we aren't doctors or physical therapists. So (laughs) I'm not going to do that. But the wolves do have doctors and the wolves do have physical therapists. And if this has been something that has been lingering for over a month, they've certainly assessed the risk of ant continuing to play through it, which leads me to believe that this is, more so just been a pain tolerance injury for Ann, not an in, not any sort of injury that risks something long-term. From what I've been able to gather, it, it's been an ailment that has bugged him on some nights more than others, and I think that checks out with the eye test and in the box score, too. It's It's been up and down. I think we've also been able to gather over just the course of this season that Chris Finch is not a load management coach. He's talked over the course of the year how players like Chris Paul play; they don't rest, and how that drives winning. You know, Finch has kind of mockingly referred to load management as a status symbol of star players in the league these days. And now it's it's certainly your prerogative to disagree with that strategy. I I, I know many of you think that Ant should have been resting, but Finch certainly isn't alone in that mindset. When if you were to panel coaches around the league. Most of these coaches believe that you're healthy enough to play, that you should be playing. Which leads me back to the belief that the decision to rest or not ultimately fell on Ant himself, and that's his prerogative. He chose to play, and like he said, sometimes that wasn't enough. In this next clip here, Ant describes what he wasn't able to do, which provides some context, and then Cat, who was up at the podium with Ant, jumped in and supported the decision of Edwards to play through this. So let's hit, hit that. Here's Ant and Cap.
4: Hey, uh, Ant, uh, you know, you talk about the the five points not mattering. Has, has your defense been affected by the way that you felt physically as well? Is that? Yeah, everything, man. Like with my knee, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't slap my feet. I couldn't jump. I couldn't get a burst of speed. I couldn't do anything, man. So like I said, I'm just happy to be back out there playing, feeling like myself, man. I don't. I'm just, I'm, I'm back happy, man. Let
3: me say this too, is Ant's been a true professional uh, since the day he got here, matter of fact, but just seeing his growth as a, as a pro and as someone we, we, we depend on. Ant's done an amazing job of just being a pro, showing up to his treatment times, uh, getting his work in, doing extra work, being ready for what the challenge of this year will bring. Um, We've talked about it multiple times, but he's, he's answered the call. So um, I want y'all to know that and you know he's been playing with this is something we haven't talked about but he's been playing through this for a while and long time yeah and you got to give him a lot of credit for the way he's performed on it you know and he's done an amazing job of not only playing well on it but um you know I look at him as, as a star player a superstar in the making so um you know, the, the most valuable thing your star player could give you is is availability. So for him to be available and be ready to go on the court and everything is uh it speaks volumes to who he is as a professional, who he is as a basketball player and the type of uh type of leader he's growing into being.
1: I think again, what I take from that and in Cat showing his support for the decision to play is that this plan to push through is something all parties involved have agreed was the right move. You know, Cat went on to say, I won't play the clip, but he went on to say that playing whenever you can is, quote, everything, you know, not just for the team and driving winning, but for you know kids and fans who pay to come watch and play. That response from Cat, you know, kind of made for a bizarre juxtaposition when D'Angelo Russell then came into the room after those guys to talk to us. I personally, I sort of expected the same sort of response from D'Lo, if not as in-depth as Cat. But. He he wasn't having it. I don't know if it was the loss or what it was, but Dilo was not having it when he was asked about Ant's decision to play. I'll just play the whole question and the quote through so none of this is taken out of any sort of context. Here's Dilo.
4: Ant
3: was just telling us that you know, he's been been playing hurt the last few weeks here and, and you know, he's, he's wanted to be there for the team, wanted to keep playing through for an injury. Uh, you know, kind of what does that say about him and
1: his his character,
3: his determination to try and, and guide it out for you guys while he's been playing hurt. Why the hell did he tell you all that? <laughs> um,
4: What's the question?
3: Just what does it say about him that he wants to try and to be there even while he's he's been I, mean, I ain't I'm hearing that shit. I ain't hearing that. Next game.
1: Again, I don't really know what went into that and honestly I don't really care to expound an opinion on why that's the way D'Lo took the topic and the question. That's also his prerogative. He can take it how he wants, just as you can take it how you want, the, the way he he presented that himself. it's That's up to you. I, I know I tweeted that quote out, and I've seen an array of different responses to the way that Dilo put that. To me, it's just You know, it's just the latest example of three of the three best players on this team all having three very different personalities, different communication styles, different leadership styles. So I don't know that that's all the info I can provide for you on the knee, you know, from what's been described to me to what those three, you know, have said publicly about it. I don't mean to totally bury the topic of the game itself tonight, but given, you know, given who Ant is and given how important he is to this Team success in future games this season and just the future in general i thought it was the main story tonight so we'll take a quick break here and then get into what thursday's trade deadline might look at and then we'll also have some notes from the game
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
1: All right, we are back kind of discussing the Wolves' 13-point loss to the Sacramento Kings here in Sacramento on Wednesday night. If you're listening to this on Thursday, after the trade deadline has already passed, you might not find this next segment super relative, relevant. But uh, for those of you who have the deadline on the brain, uh, let's talk about what could happen on Thursday and what the fallout from any potential move could be. The Wolves are Pretty clearly at a spot where making a move is not obvious. You know, there isn't one specific position hole on this team, certainly not in the starting lineup. And even the depth of this team has come to largely resolve itself tonight's poor performance, notwithstanding, which is all just an interesting place to have gotten to. You know, if you would have told me this at the beginning of the season, you know, that come deadline day, that the Wolves would not have any glaring needs when the deadline came around, you know, I. I think I would have laughed. I came into the season thinking size was a glaring weakness up and down the roster. I mean, that's been an issue to some extent, but far less than I anticipated. And then, I mean, power forward was an obvious glaring hole coming into the season. Even Chris Finch said in training camp, I, I remember Finch saying specifically before the year that he wasn't worried about offending anybody by who, who he chose to start at power forward because he said they're, all the options are sort of bench guys. Of course, that has worked out. That's proven to not be a need at all with the emergence of Jared Vanderbilt this season. Then there was also just like the proliferation of one way players up and down the roster, you know, that seemed to lead to a really just obtuse sort of roster shape. But many of the players on the roster that we saw as one-way players have exceeded our expert expectations of them on their weaker side of the ball, you know, namely Cat, Ant, and Delo, all being way better defenders than we anticipated. And down the bench, too, you know, Torian Prince has showed real two-way chops. Jaden McDaniels has expanded his offensive profile. Vanderbilt certainly has expanded his offensive impact. And even guys like Jalen Noel and Malik Beasley, they've, shifted up from being complete zeros on the defensive side of the ball so there aren't as many needs going into the deadline are there still needs on this team I think so and when I asked Finch about that before today's game he seemed to agree here's Finch and then just with the the trade deadline coming up tomorrow I'm curious for you with how well this bench has played yeah how that is kind of shifted what your view is or deleted what your view is of needs that need to be addressed
2: at this roster. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Every roster in the league, you know, has things it needs, right. Um, If something pops up that allows us to address that, I think we would certainly look at it. Um, We're really, really happy with our guys right now, not just with their production, but with their um, just kind of with their overall mood is really strong. So we're sensitive to that. you know i i don't uh I don't know you know how or what a lot of times things come available like last minute or whatever, so right now we're just focused on these guys um and we're not necessarily looking to do anything significant and then
1: I know you and sasha have a a strong relationship yes your, your, your frequently in in conversation how is that um, around this time you're Obviously, he's got to be doing his own. Yes. He's
2: got to be doing like, what is that like? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's as strong as ever. um You know, any kind of ideas, inbound calls that come up, he'll ask me for my opinion. Um, you know, we'll talk about how it might affect what we're trying to do uh, in the short term, in the longer term. Um, all this really open. Great thing about Sotch is he's like a world class listener, he takes in a lot of information. Um, super strategic you know process is it um and you know he's he's uh also extremely smart and there's a lot of things that those guys have to factor into everything they do whether it's not just you know how it fits on the teams but that's where he acts you know leans on me is like how will this fit on the team how will this affect what what we're trying to do on the floor yeah.
1: i think the line that pops there or the lines that pop there are if something pops up, I think we would certainly look at it, he said. And then two, we're not necessarily looking to do anything significant. Which I think probably opens the door about as wide as we all expected it was when it comes to a trade with this team. I think the other line that's interesting there is Finch, you know, Finch mentions mentioning the role he's gonna play and how the influence will have on trading for a player who will affect what they're trying to do on the floor. And for us to speculate on that, you know, that, that probably requires a little bit more imagination. I, I think with this team, what they want to affect on the floor most going forward or could affect the most on the floor going forward with a smallish move is their defensive rebounding. I mean, the Wolves remain ranked dead last in the league in defensive rebounding for the season. It's, you know, it's ticked up slightly from last by a mile to last by a barely, but it's still last. and I, I brought that up to Finch before the first King's game on on Tuesday night, kind of saying, well, the defensive rebound has been getting a little bit better, like how big of a need is this for the team still and he and what Finch said was it's probably still their biggest area of weakness. And to that end, and from what I've heard from others I've talked to, I think the most likely area for this team to address at the deadline is backup center. I think they prefer a backup big who can, you know, ideally could play both as Cat's direct backup five, but also alongside Cat some. Of course, though, the more you're looking, the, the more you're looking for from this hypothetical player in an acquisition, like the more you trim down the universe of potential players to choose from. And then in that scarcity... Like, you probably see the price increase. I think simply addressing backup center with a five who does more defensively than Nas Reed, I I think that can be had for a pretty reasonable price. What they'll they'll need to determine when comparing that Robin Lopez-type player to Nas is what the opportunity cost of not having Nas on offense would be. Still, even in that calculation, I think that's, a pretty realistic type of acquisition that we could see on Thursday. You know, with a power forward slash center more in the Thad Young profile, I think that's probably, you know, a little bit harder to find and a little bit more expensive to acquire. I mean, what the Wolves have to reasonably dangle in this type of move, either of those type of moves, is, of course, all of their first future first-round picks. But more likely being dangled are the Three second-round picks that they have in this upcoming draft. They then also have Josh Okogie and Nas Reed as positive assets that teams out there would not only see as positive, but depending on that team's roster, potentially pretty useful and impactful. You know, the, I mean, the deadline itself will determine what sort of return some combination of those seconds and Okogie and Reed could render. You know, those those prices aren't set until. And the clock strikes three Eastern, but I think we have an idea of you know what it what it could be worth. Now I will say what I personally, not what I'm predicting, what I personally would like to see at the deadline is this. I, I'd like to see a combination of two type of moves. I, I think trading Josh Kogi and or Nas Reed with a second round pick attached to them for a first round pick would be a shrewd move for this team. That first could then be used as currency. This summer, when you have more clarity about what the future of this team is, who's going to be on the roster, what they did in the playoffs, how they're growing, and you could use that first potentially paired with another first round pick to get a real difference maker for next season. And then if that happens, if Nas is going out in that deal with the second or two for a first, I'd then like to see the other second round pick being used to acquire a cheap backup center who can rebound. And in that deal, you could use Jake Lehman's salary as a salary match. So, all together, I guess my ideal deadline in this, this small sort of, I don't know, angle of way to look at this. My my ideal out in is a Kogi, Reed, Lehman, and two or three of the seconds going out. And then a first round pick and a pure backup center coming back Minnesota's way. You know, the quality of that first will depend on whether or not both a Kogi and Reed go out and whether it's two or three seconds going out. And, you know, and that will also determine the quality of the the center you bring back. Again, that's not a prediction for what I think happens at the deadline, but that's what I think would be a good move for the Wolves this season and for the future of this team within the construct of what we sort of understand Finch and Gupta might be motivated by. That's just sort of where I think this team is at. And you know, I I hope that proves to be predictive but knowing the nature of the deadline I think you'll be lucky if I got even, you know, part of that down accurate. Because that all <laughs> to talk about and to talk about the deadline took longer than expected and because it's late here in Sacramento we'll we'll skip over most of the game analysis from tonight. I'll be recording uh, with Britt Robson on the evening of the deadline, and if it does prove to be a quiet deadline, I'm sure we'll get more into into tonight's game and just that absolute crumbling at the end of the fourth quarter by the Wolves. But instead, just to hit on a few notes from the game tonight, we'll we'll do my my prize picks. I actually went five and zero on my picks tonight. Uh, the first one I hit on was the under, uh, the under of forty one and a half combined points, rebounds, and assists. Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, Towns finished with 21 points, eight assists, and seven rebounds. So that was a combined total of 36 there, securely under. Um, I, I think I think that number was set really high tonight by the odds makers because it seemed like Anthony Edwards would either be out or limited in this game. So they kind of put a Jokic-like line on Cat, and Cat you know, didn't end up exploding you know, to that degree. Like I said, only seven rebounds for Cat, and that helped me hit the over on my over eight and a half rebounds bet for Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, Vando had 11 defensive rebounds in the game, no offensive rebounds, but we still hit that one. And then I also took the over on 16 and a half points for Harrison Barnes. Uh, The logic here was that with no Patrick Beverly, the Wolves were going to be pretty hard-pressed be able to handle both De'Aaron Fox and Harrison Barnes on the perimeter. I mean, Barnes got even more free when Finch opted to take Vando off of Barnes in the second half and put him on Sabonis because Sabonis was was kind of in foul trouble. Sabonis was kind of going off. Um, It just it ended up all kind of shaking out to be a a good situation for Barnes. And he ended up finishing the game with 30 points. He was uh, he was a killer in this one. I then also took the under, I thought this one was obvious, took the under on 11.5 points, and another under on 7.5 rebounds for Rashawn Holmes. It, the, know, the combination of Holmes mysteriously missing Tuesday's game for personal reasons and the inclusion of Demontis Sabonis made it fairly obvious to me that Holmes would have a pretty limited role tonight. Holmes finished the game with just two points and zero rebounds. So that was 5-0 on the night, which brings my running total on the season to 115-93-7. Uh, obviously, some of that is good luck to get all five today, but we have been running a little bit better here on these picks of late. What is that, 22 games, 22 picks over 500? Uh, if you would like to get in on prize picks or want to convince a friend to sign up, the process is fairly seamless, and prize picks will throw you a $100 sign-up bonus if you sign up using the promo code DANE when you deposit at prizepicks.com or on the Prizepicks app. With the loss tonight, the Wolves do drop to 29-26 and 26 on the season. Denver and Dallas both did not play, so that pushes the Wolves to one and a half games behind Denver for the six seed and back to three games behind Dallas for the five seed. Uh, again, I will be recording with Britt. Sometime on Thursday evening after the deadline is passed and we do whatever sort of press briefings are necessary from that. Uh, If if something of any significance happens uh, via trade, we'll obviously dig into that further and further over the next few days. And then we'll also I mean, schedule doesn't stop. We'll uh, we'll go to Chicago for another game on the road against the Bulls on Friday. I will be traveling from here in Sacramento to that game in Chicago as well. So you will also certainly be hearing uh, from me after that one too, probably with a lot more game analysis on that episode. We'll see where the, de- the deadline takes us. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace
4: out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green it hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let Santa Zipper out but bring you down, yeah.
3: Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah.